Welcome to Liberty Station. I'm Bryce Eddy. We are working very hard here on this channel to be a threat to the Great Reset. And um, with that, I have an excellent guest today. And um, this is just a, a wonderful man and uh, a guy that I've gotten to spend some good time with, including on one of our first live streams um, that I participated in. I got to spend some time with my buddy, Rabbi Michael Barkley. Thank you for having me here, Bryce. It's very kind of you. Yeah, listen, no, I I, uh, I love you. You brought me to tears um, more than one time on the uh, first occasion from you know from the stage, and then uh, um, I don't know if uh, I don't I don't know if I remember the exact day, but uh, Chris, uh, you know, covered six, and and myself were standing out with you, and you articulated that um, you were getting you know, more love from us than you were and more support than you were at the time um, you know, from your fellow rabbis in the community uh, because you were choosing to stand up and, and stay open and you know, fight like we were. And, um, and, you know, and, and uh, I think you had expressed a little bit of like loneliness and jealousy that that at least we had other Christian churches around the country that well, were I hope doing not it. jealousy um, <laughs> well I, I mean I mean well I mean jealousy in the in the positive sense because you know like there there is there is a uh, um, you know God is a jealous God you know things like that uh, that that uh, I think is the positive form that that takes um, but but I remember you you know and, and I and I you know probably like I do had to <clears throat> choke it back but um but I, I have an ongoing theme on this show about community, and we need to all be coming together in community. We need to be rowing together, especially here locally, where you know we're in each other's backyards, mm -hmm. because as uh, we're predicting, you know things are not going to get better soon. Things are going to get worse soon, and the the way that we save ourselves and keep ourselves safe and you know protect each other is by community. And, and so I just, uh, I loved you for, from that moment forward. Oh, you're kind. We have a concept, a word in Hebrew called kahal, means a sacred community. The word community actually comes from communitas, to create a sacred container within which to be safe, to be able to explore who you are, etc. And, and um, the reality is that we need, in this time, in this time of the world, um, in this chaos, where people have forgotten you can disagree without being disagreeable, mm -hmm. where people are so polarized. We, we really, like you, I think it's such an important priority that we create the not only our own little spiritual communities, but a larger spiritual community with shared values. Uh, you know, you and I have much, much more in common than um, I have or you have with a secular Jew or a secular Christian. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we've got this, this Jesus... That's kind of you know you know a little bit different, but mm -hmm. I, I I believe that the Messiah is going to come. You're going to say welcome back, and I'm going to say welcome. We'll all accept him. So, but other our, our values, our ethics, our beliefs are really very much parallel and consonant, mm -hmm. and we need more of that in the world. We really, really do. Yeah, uh, Amen. You said something interesting there um, that that we don't say very often, but it's very true. You know, because I know in in um, in, in uh, you know the Jewish community now there there are is such a thing as you know Orthodox uh, what's the breakdown it's Orthodox uh, okay here's a quick, quick Jewish lesson yeah yeah quicker yeah. Jewish lesson yeah yeah perfect you were a Jew yeah okay there's this guy Abraham Isaac Jacob ultimately Moses it's you're a Jew okay yeah you're observant you're not observant no one cares right okay your mother cares your grandmother cares but beyond that you're as observant yeah, yeah, yeah. you are you're inclined to you're, mysticism or rationalism right okay then in the 1700s. You get some guys in Germany who say we're more German than we are Jewish. Okay, we're still Jewish, but we're more German. We're Germans first. And so they stop wearing a yarmulke or they stop celebrating the holidays or they cut their payas, the, the long things you'll see on really observant Jews. Right. They, in some cases, even observe the Sabbath on Sundays like their Christian neighbors. Mm -hmm. um, they, they stop keeping kosher, all these Jewish laws. Right. Okay? But they still call themselves Jewish. And they say, we have reformed Judaism, so we are called reformed Jews. Everybody else we're going to call Orthodox. Mm -hmm. Then, by the time you're in the late 1800s, you start getting, mostly in America and, and England, England, really, you get guys who say, we're not as observant as those Orthodox guys. 
but were more conservative than the reform guys. So now you have three movements. Right. Okay. okay. Perfect. This right. is what I wanted. <laughs> right. So you know. So now you got. Th- this is why we say two Jews equals three opinions, four rabbis, and five synagogues. Okay. This is exactly. <laughs> so now you got those three movements, right? You get other smaller movements, Hasidic movement, the different movements. But then what really is, in some ways, the most disturbing, because if God is infinite, then how can any one person say this is how you're supposed to observe? Right. Okay. That's our, our we're very, Judaism is very much based on the dialogue. We call them machlokas. And in the last 30 years, especially, it always, it always been there, but now you get a larger stream, especially in Western culture, especially in the United States, especially, especially in places like California, Los Angeles, places that are politically leftist, where they have become, the Jew who has become too smart to be Jewish. Hmm. Why should I be kosher? Why should I observe God's law? Why should I do this? Right. And so now I'm a cultural or a secular Jew. Right. And their religion becomes leftist politics, typically. So we really have another category that's the largest category, um, certainly in this state, in this area of the secular Jew. That's as opposed to what my friend Rabbi Shoka likes to call the non-practicing Orthodox Jew, the guy who may not go but is really committed to his faith. Right. We're talking about people who are, and that group is what destroys community. Yeah, yeah, and and they're the ones that are, um, you know, pushing so many of the things within all kinds of different industries, of course, you know, entertainment industry, um, you know, and others that, uh, that are destroying family, um, you know, which, uh, I, they don't believe, um, in, in many of those cases, they have very tight families still, and they have great expectations upon their kids and all that stuff, but then they're, um, selling or espousing, you know, things within our culture that are destroying all of that. Yeah. Um, but you said secular Christian. Um, and and we don't think in those terms, but we should, because we do have that same thing going on now. We've got the um, and and I'm excited because you know we're we're now this is being laid bare because of the lockdowns and coronavirus and vaccines and all that stuff. You are having the Christians that are you know professing believers in Jesus Christ and God, and you have those that are culturally Christian, and maybe they even attend churches, but they're going to a church that won't allow a crisis pregnancy center to come and speak at their church. Or, or they go one you know, day a year. Yeah, or they, well, well, you, you've always had kind of those folks that, you know, I self-identify as a Christian on a, you know, census or something, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm Christian. Uh, I go on Easter, I go on Christmas, you know, special holidays, you know, kind of a thing. And I consider myself Christian, but you know, they're not practicing in their daily faith. But now you have people that are quote unquote practicing in their daily faith, but are pro-choice or are, um, you know, uh, believing things that are the exact opposite of what the Bible is telling us. And, you know, the, you know, Joel Osteen's of the world that are, um, you know, living their best life now, you know, kind of stuff. And so you have a lot of that going on, but that is what I would term now the, you know, the secular Christian movement that, you know, be Christian, but don't be involved in politics. Don't, you know, don't uh, bring that Christianity around to me, you know, don't take it to your workplace, you know, all of that. And the, and they're the ones that have risen to be predominant in our culture. Well, I, I'm not a Christian theologian. Yeah. When I was a professor at Loyola Marymount, I used to tell I used to say this to, to colleagues who were Catholic priests of, um, look, I, I'll stay out of telling you how to practice your faith. You stay out of telling me how to practice mine. But I'm pretty sure that being a Christian is defined by accepting Jesus into your heart as your Savior. Right. Right. Um, either you do or you don't. and Or you're in the journey, which is a great place to be. Um, I am I'm very concerned when I when I hear about people who... Let me rephrase it differently. Catholic theology is abortion is forbidden, period. Mm-hmm. By the way, that's not Jewish theology. I wrote an article for American Thinker on the Jewish take on abortion, which is, by the way, comes to a very similar conclusion, but from an entirely different place. Mm-hmm. Okay, not, I, I, I would love to explore it's, that it's, a little. It's a, whole, it's a whole different article. But so I wrote an article for PJ Media that God bless this bishop in Delaware who wouldn't give mass to, to Biden or the guy in San Francisco who mm-hmm. wouldn't give it to Pelosi. I'm sorry, your job as a theologian, as clergy, is hold a standard. Yeah. And so, 
they don't have to be Catholic. They can go be whatever other denomination. Yeah. But isn't that their job? And who is anyone else to tell that bishop in San Francisco, other right. than his boss, the Pope? Right. Who is anyone else to say he has to give his right of his sacred right of communion? That's his job as as the clergy. Right. And I don't really care what any activist says. It's if she doesn't believe in the theology, why does she even want communion? That's the other question. Yeah, well, I mean, for her, uh, it's not that she wants communion. It's that she wants to show this act that politically, uh, you know, gives her some sort of credibility yeah. amongst those that, uh, that you know, are professing Catholics. Um, and, and that, you know, was stopped dead in its tracks when it was refused, which was great. I mean, you know, good, good on him and, you know, just better watch his back. Yeah, uh, you know, look, I, we, like I said, we have a whole, Judaism has a whole different take, which is probably worth discussing for a moment, yeah, not in terms it. of the take only, but understanding what that take is being done, not just by secular Jews, mm -hmm. but by all too many ignorant reform rabbis. Okay, yeah, okay. I, I would love to hear and, and you And you get to hear why I'm not necessarily popular with a lot of my colleagues. We don't charge membership dues. All synagogues do, other than the ultra-Orthodox. We don't charge for bar mitzvahs, et cetera. So I get a lot of heat because we have a different business okay. model. Okay, um, all right, so I'm, I'm totally unfamiliar with okay, that. Okay, let so, me back so, up. Right, um, okay. But, but wait, let's, let me just ask this one question, and then you can tell. So, because I, I just want to clarify. Um. So, you know, so for us, uh, you know, and, and I think we're, we're unique in this is, you know, um, you know, churches have all sorts of different styles for how they ask for support. But, you know, we go, you know, along the lines as believers, if we're um, committed believers, we are, you know, committing our tithes. And, and we're committing those ties to our church. We're committing those ties to, um, you know, missions. Uh, we're committing those, that, that tie to, you know, what God puts on our hearts or in that category of, you know, bolstering and, and which contributing is all, to which his is ministry. Which is all, uh, all codified right. in the book of Iacra, the book of Leviticus. Yes, So it's exactly. a shared text. It, 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 exactly. And that's, yeah, my, and so my point is, so, so for the idea now, it's a... Uh, it's a voluntary submission to God's word. So, you know, we know that in our church fellowship, there's a lot of people that probably don't give anything, you know, and, I, and I'm not here to shame them or talk about that, but but the expectation is that, you know, God's to convict you uh, and you are to give voluntarily, not in the form of, you know, a membership due. You're not paying dues to come to our church. Right. You're doing it as a matter of discipline to to God and, and to, you know, adhere to his principles and his word. So a brief understanding of the Jewish world, and I'm going to speak outside the Orthodox world, which is okay. very different, in the Reformed conservative world. The model in this state, uh, England, South Africa, and Canada, mm -hmm. and again, outside the Orthodox world, yeah. um, and really from the mid-20th century, late 20th century on. So all of us who grew up, and my parents, their generation right. before them, is membership dues, and or if you're a two-day or Jew, just comes on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, you're going to have to be buying tickets in excess of four, five, six hundred dollars a ticket per person for all the services. Oh, interesting. Okay. I think it's disgusting to ask someone to pay or pray. Yeah. I was raised by my father. You know, we all, we all grew up with the stories we grew up on. Right. My dad got arrested, so was a flying tiger. Mm -hmm. Came back from the war, went to synagogue in Chicago in uniform on Kol Nidra, the evening of Yom Kippur, the one where Mia plays yeah, the yeah, yeah. music. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which uh, is, a, which, uh, by the way, when I asked her, she's like, yes. You know, she was enthusiastic. She's a, a and, fabulous daughter. plays amazing violin. So yeah, yeah. So, so, so uh, thank you for that. So that and she's very service. enthusiastic. So on that service, he went to services in Chicago. They would not let him in because he had not bought a ticket. He said, I'm done. The God that's in that building is not the God that saved me in the East. He did not go to temple again until my older brother's bar mitzvah, God rest his soul. I mean, sure we were educated. He wouldn't wow. set foot in temple. Wow. Um, until my brother's bar mitzvah was the next time he did. And and it's not, a lot of people are just offended by the idea that the synagogue should, look, there's cost. If you don't donate, you don't, it doesn't, you're gonna, you don't stay in business, God forbid. Right. But you shouldn't be trying to make, your 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 fortune because of the church or the synagogue. That's not what it's about, right? Um, so we 
about eight and a half, nine years ago almost, we came out here. I'd been a rabbi in Beverly Hills and a professor at Loyola Marymount. Came out here to start the first non-Orthodox synagogue in the nation with no membership dues, no cost for high holiday tickets, no cost for religious school. I don't think any family should have to determine, do we make our car payment or educate our kids religiously? Uh, everyone said we wouldn't work. We're still here. It's tough, but we're still here. Amen. So that's that angers a lot of my colleagues because we're messing with their business model. Yeah, yeah. Okay? Um, but then, so let me go back to talk about abortion because you asked about that. Yeah. In Judaism, and our sages talk about this 2,000 years ago in the Talmud, okay? In Judaism, we do not make law based upon what is unknowable. Let's just remember that and hold to the side. Okay. In the Torah and the book of Exodus, it says that if a woman is um, pregnant and she is um, injured consciously in such a way that she loses the child, it's a civil crime. It's a damaged crime. It's tort. She's killed, God forbid, it's a capital crime. Right. That's in the Torah, okay? The law is that um, if I buy a cow from you and the cow ends up being pregnant, I get to keep the calf. I bought the calf as well, okay? When a woman converts, if she convert, a pregnant woman converts prior to giving birth, the child is considered Jewish and does not need to go through conversion, okay? Now, if you look at just that, it would seem that the child is meaningless and it's only about the mother. Okay. But that's not the case. Right. The mother has it is has has the rights. See, for us, the sages recognized, and this is there's lots of discussion in the Talmud. Unfortunately, most reform rabbis haven't studied Talmud because up until recently you could become a reform rabbi and not. Um, up until recently, which is kind of scary when you think about it. I think now they require it, but up until wow. a number of years ago, for a long time. But so, there's a whole discussion about this. Abortion's not new. This concept is not new. And so, the rabbis discuss that since we don't, can't determine when a soul goes into a fetus, we will not base any law upon the unknowable. Now it starts to sound like, oh, wow, Judaism is all pro-abortion, right? Right. Okay. I see where you're going, though. Okay. Yeah. And we're not going to... But we do know that at 36 weeks, or when the crown or larger part of the body has of the baby has come out, we know it has a soul. Okay. But what about 35 weeks before that? Well, she's considered... The, the term that is used in the Talmud is that the fetus is considered a limb or a thigh of the mother. All in sync, Right. Except here's the best part. And, and so you have these reform rabbis going out and saying, see, we're pro-choice. You have to have abortion. I don't like using pro-choice. I think it's... It, it, well, it's a euphemism. I, I think it's... It's a euphemism. Yeah, yeah. Pro-abortion. Okay. Yep. Good. And, but that's not the dialogue. Because what the sages make clear is, and this is also clear, you may have the rights, but you have responsibilities. If a man goes into a doctor's office and says, my thigh is fat, cut off my leg... He'd be put in a mental institution and the doctor would be charged with malpractice if he did it. Right. You don't get to abort just because it's an inconvenience. Right, right. Period. Right. There is a concept called a rodef, a pursuer, that if the feed, which is a, a legal term of someone pursuing someone with the intention to kill, if a, um, if a, a, a uh, fetus... Is, is pursuing the mother's life, then an abortion can be allowed. Okay. But it's not an inconvenience. And remember, right. Judaism is an anti birth control. So, right. so it, but that's another great example of, of well, that's very, that, we get to the same place effectively. Um, that's awesome because I, I was confused why so many Jews were pro-choice because their rabbis are only sharing that first voice first verse and saying see if the fetus dies it's a civil crime but if the mother dies it's a capital okay yeah but it is a civil crime right you don't get to cut off your arm because you don't like the way it looks right right so it's, it's yeah. a whole flipped argument yeah that gets you to the same place without the issue of insolment one way or the other 
Right. So because the rabbis argue, some say installment happens. At yeah. Birth, at well, and, and obviously, you know, we we have a different you know yeah, view, viewpoint on, on that all. But uh, but yeah, it it uh, but that clears up a, a mystery to me that I, I I couldn't understand or couldn't figure out. I mean, I I know that there are so many you know Jews that that uh, abandoned you know everything other than their you know ethnicity. I am you know Jewish my you know uh, by identity, but but you know have abandoned you know any real you know spiritual underpinnings of that. Um, so that made sense to me, but I didn't know how they justified it. They justify it with a yeah. partial interpretation of a verse. Yeah. And their rabbi's job should be to show all of it. Now you can agree with it or disagree with it. That's fine. Right. But to show all of it. But, but you know, Bryce, there's a great story. A child goes, a, a rabbi goes into a village and he sees a bunch of bullseyes. Mm-hmm. And he says, who's your great archer? And so they uh, say, David, the nine-year-old. And they go to David. The rabbi goes, and he says, are you this archer? He goes, yes. He goes, how'd you get to be so good? He goes, well, it's easy. I shoot the arrow, then I draw a circle around it. Mm-hmm. If your goal is to have a leftist agenda, you've already shot the arrow. Yeah. All you got to do is draw the circle. And that's that's what you're experiencing too often. Uh, that is a beautiful illustration. So yeah, no that that was that was perfect because that did clear up uh, confusion that I had. So that, that's why I love you. <laughs> um, so before we uh, were starting the show, and I said, okay, stop. This is great pod. We need to get into this. Um, uh, we were we were talking something that, that I want to touch on. Um, but it ties into uh, the issue right now that we're having, like here locally in our community, and this is being repeated all over the United States. But you have the uh, radical transgender um, ideology being promoted and being pushed um, on our kids. I mean, there is genuine child abuse grooming um, I happening think you're being right kind now. In what you're saying. Uh, thank you, um, because it. Uh, I'm, I'm. I'm glad to hear you say that because what's happening is abhorrent, and it is uh, every day right now. And I'm grateful to see it starting to happen. And I'm, I'm, you know, tweeting some of these things out. But you're having mostly young girls, by the way. Um, you know that just a few years ago they were being pushed into um, or pulled into this lifestyle of this transgender thing during their, you know, confusing times in puberty and all that stuff. And I, and I think there's a reason that it is predominantly females, young girls that are being pulled or being pushed into that identity, but you're seeing them coming out and now saying, Whoa, you know, I regret this. I'm now unhealthy. I'm hurt. I'm missing my breasts. They've mutilated my body. They've sterilized me and all that. Is any of that happening in the, Jewish community. What's the Jewish community's reaction? You know, can you can you give me some insight so, into that? That is happening. Um, again, in the reform and conservative world, it's not only happening; it's being encouraged. Wow, gender fluidity, non-binary. I was recently having a conversation with a dear friend and teacher. We were discussing that in one of the rabbinic schools. The student activists have now convinced the administration that they all want pronouns. Mm. And the administration caved. So, it, it, very quickly, by the way. So, it is happening a lot. I don't think the percentages are any different than in the Christian world or any other world because it's an attack from the left. You know, there's, I don't know if you know these two guys. Do you know High Res and Jimmy Levy? I'm going to send you some of their work. They're two urban artists. They have an amazing song called "This Is There's a War Going On. Yeah, send it to me. Um, because there's against religion and everything else. There are people, and there have always been people, who have the double-edged blessing and curse that they were born in a body and they feel a different way. That exists in every culture. But it's tiny, 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 tiny. Percentage. Yeah. And, and and I think we need to be first of all, I think I, I, I remember puberty. I don't know about you. I wasn't comfortable. Were you comfortable with it? Uh no, you know what? And and uh that 
that is a you know normal course of life that we all process. go through and and some of it is a process of you know finding yourself whatever terms you want to use um but you are being bombarded by intense it's feelings and hormones and all that and your body is changing rapidly i think there's a your there's brain that, is also changing rapidly 100 percent. the plasticity of your brain as you go through puberty up until you're about 26 to 28 and, and my my dissertation was actually on the spirituality including neurochemistry of of of, of peak performance and and your brain chemistry is changing right okay and you may feel passionately when you're 13 and feel very passionately when you're 13 and a half differently in in our talmud again the genders are very clear there's male there's female and there's something called a tumtum where the because the because the genitalia have been so mutilated it's indefinable right and so or you can't tell they're hidden from whatever and so the Talmud says you got to, until that's determined, are you male, female, you have to observe the laws of both. It's actually very difficult. Hmm. And we're forbidden from disfiguring our body. It, um, is that, uh, when you say disfigure, is that intersex or things like that, where it is birth birth defect kind of birth stuff? De- or, or accident. Okay, injury. Accident, injury, any number of reasons. Right. Birth defect. Rabbi slipped. Hopefully not. Um, <laughs> You know, hopefully we don't have to stand six inches to the right of the urinal. But um, so, look, I think here's the challenge that we have in Western culture that we've created. It's not a challenge. We've created this challenge. Yes. There are three issues we've conflated together that are all separate but next to each other. Gender, sex, energy. Your gender's simple. If your plumbing's on the outside, you're a guy. If it's on the inside, you're female. It's that simple. It's a plumbing issue. Right. Okay. Yeah. Your sex, your sexuality is, okay, you like guys, you like girls, you like both, you like neither. That's your sexuality. And those start getting conflated. But there's a third one that doesn't seem to ever be talked about that I think needs to be, which is our energy. So yang energy, what they would call in the East, is male energy goes out. Right. Female energy comes in. Right? Right. The ultimate example in the hunting world a wolf hunts with male energy. A spider hunts with female energy. A wolf goes out to hunt. A spider brings it in. Right. Okay. Does that mean I now call a female wolf a male? Do I call a male spider a female because they carry a lot of the energy? Both of us hold a certain amount of female energy at different times. Yeah. Well, yeah. Through arts, through all sorts of different times. Thank God. I cry at sappy movies. That's all the time. Yeah. I, my kids say I have leaky eyes, and 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 I'm grateful to grateful to be able to do that and 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 i remember growing up with plenty of girls who could beat my butt in all sorts of sports yeah yeah. they were tomboys that doesn't mean that they're male and i think that it would be really helpful to all of our communities if we recognized that okay you know god put us in this gender for a reason that's not our choice our sexuality, God's given guidelines, but that is our choice. Our energy is all our choice. Right. And if we look at that as God, you know, this is what you got. Here's what I'm guiding you to do. Mm-hmm. And this, all on your own, go knock yourself out. Yeah. I think if we look at it that way and we help young people separate that. Well, and we and we used to. I mean, you know, the the idea of of, you know, tomboys, you know, yeah. w- was uh, I mean, has been a long long tradition and and, and became amazing women. Oh, no kidding. I mean, some of the some of the girls that I grew up with that were considered tomboys ended up being, you know, like model quality beauties and some of the most feminine ever later Rice, on in life. Rice my wife. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you know how. So. Uh, yeah. I mean, my 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 wife too was you know was one that would you know beat up all the boys. She was good at sports. She you know would would win at everything. You know, kind of a thing until you know until kind of way on the other side of puberty and all the boys caught up and all that. Uh, but she you know she was far more rough and tumble. Um, where my girls are more girly girls. You know, and and uh, and. You are absolutely right. Now, you know, terming it energy, um, I I like that because that's a good t- 
term because we do all have male and female energies, masculine and feminine parts of us, and and that's how God made us. And that's go and that's look a, at Genesis. That's, that's exactly a, how. That's it a unique blessing, and uh, and there are men that you know express more feminine characteristics or are more in touch, if you want to use that term, with their feminine know. sides. Uh, and then there are you know there are females where it's the opposite, and they tend to you know share some of the more aggressive male traits it does not mean that they are men and it does not mean that those dudes are women even if i you know want to tease one or two of them from time to time because they're buddies (laughs) it's scary times out there right now with inflation supply chain issues and attacks on our currency we are all feeling the pressure and it seems like a recession or maybe even a real depression is on the way what impact are we going to see on our savings and retirement accounts well You may want to make gold a part of your strategy. Birch Gold Group is who I trust to help diversify a portion of your retirement or convert an old IRA or 401k out of the risky stock market and into physical precious metals. Think about this. Since before the time of King David, one asset has held its value better than anything else in the history of the world, gold and it can help protect you now. Text LIBERTY to 989898 and get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals in a tax-sheltered account. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, text LIBERTY to 989898 and get real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text LIBERTY to 989898 to claim your free no obligation info kit on protecting your savings with gold. But that's but yeah. you tease them no matter what, so it doesn't matter. Well, it's true. I would tease them about being overly masculine. Exactly. It doesn't matter. Um, no, but I mean, the, the truth is, is we, we have that. And what they're doing now is creating this social contagion. And I'm going to talk about this on another episode with a, a psychologist. But, uh, but they are intentionally driving these children towards permanent life-changing decisions so look at that for a second though if we look at energy being a choice sexuality you've got guidelines but there's a choice but gender there's no choice this is what god did okay then the next if 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 my teachers if the child's teachers are saying this isn't what you are this isn't what you're supposed to be then the unspoken statement is oh God was wrong. Mm-hmm. God made a mistake on me. God made a mistake. Yeah. Now, since you can't accept, that's that's a conflicting statement, right? Either God is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-good, right? Mm-hmm. Or not. It's one or the other, right? Yeah, yeah. We, you and I have the shared belief that God is omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, and, 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 and benevolent. Someone says, okay, wait a minute. God made a mistake on them. Therefore, they say, oh, God just doesn't exist. Once you have removed God from their equation, because God obviously doesn't exist, because look what a great girl, the boy says. What, look what a great boy, the young girl says. Mm-hmm. I am. If God doesn't exist, so I, we all need whatever that higher power is. Oh, the state It's not a coincidence that historically every authoritarian regime has tried to destroy religion at the very beginning. Yeah. So one way of doing that is to destroy the belief in God. What better way than to say God made a whole mistake when he created your gender? Yeah. So now they've changed their gender. They've messed up their lives. And I'm not saying that there are some people that, that there's a distinction. There, there are some people that's different. Yeah. But they, but they, again, it's like abortion by choice. They've, they've done certain things and they've been encouraged, worse than anything, they've been encouraged to by society, media, and educators. And the first step is to rename themselves. Mm-hmm. Right? You're not, you're not Joe, you're now Josie. And, you know, you're not, uh, you're, you're not David, you're now Deborah. And the next step, so they've changed their identification, they changed their gender, there becomes a lack of faith or belief in God. God obviously doesn't exist. My rituals that I need, that all human beings need, that we find in the spiritual community world, I'm gonna find them in, le- in, in politics, usually leftist. Yeah. 
the God organization, the structure I need in that, oh, that's this government. It is so disturbing because it's it's a very different statement than if a young person came up and said, hey, Bryce, can you help guide me? I'm feeling kind of different. Can we talk about this? Is a very different statement than teachers grooming. Mm-hmm. Well, and 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 I'm I'm telling you, uh, I believe that these these parents that are, uh, uh, you know, transitioning their kids because that's what they're doing, um, and they're doing it from an activist standpoint. You know, like their their transgender kid is an accessory or something because at you know, we, we dealt locally here with a um, third grade class where they introduced, uh, you know, a, a kid trans, you know, transitioning um, at, at eight years old. Um, that You don't know anything. You don't know anything. <laughs> Um, that that is a that is a, a parent. Um, there's there's countless examples, and I don't know the insight into this particular example in great detail, but there are examples um, online videos where parents are playing, you know, like recording their kid going, now, how do you feel? Now, you like wearing this dress, don't you? And, you know, and the kid kind of like haplessly like, um, yeah, okay. You know, I mean, you're watching. It's, it's really like disgusting things because these, it's giving these parents some kind of you know religious purpose uh because it is becoming this weirdo cult that they're getting caught up in there's also i mean i think there's a couple of things there's a book something the walrus do you know about this book johnny the johnny the walrus matt walsh the great matt walsh matt walsh is a hero in my home my my daughters uh who are not celebrity odd or starstruck in any way the day that they meet matt walsh they will be speechless we'll have to to work on that maybe i i uh, i'm working on it i put it out there i've Um, got i've got some some leads into that it's it's there's there's it's one issue when someone is really feeling something Mm-hmm. Okay, but the way this has all gone about, so it doesn't matter what camp it was. Mm-hmm. Okay, but there was a Jewish camp that at the time had been around 60, 70 years. Okay, and owned by a synagogue, mm-hmm. and they had a problem. And the problem was that two parents, um, two lesbian parents, had said uh, that their daughter their seven-year-old daughter identifies as a boy and wants to be in a boy's cap. And they said, what do we do? And the synagogue made the decision, probably because of purely financial, not you know, and insurance reasons, and not wanting to have a legal fight, of saying, okay, we will let this child. This is not a child who's, who, it was a child. It's not someone who's done any, who's a boy. It's a girl right. at this point. I, I, yeah. She may feel like a boy, but she's a girl at this point. Yeah. Into the boys' cabin. And I heard this, and I can't even tell you how many levels I was disturbed by it. First of all, at seven years old, what does the kid know? She knows what her parents are telling her. Yeah. Okay? That's number one. They want to be unicorns and mermaids and, you know, superheroes and all that stuff at at seven. Okay. Number one. Number two, I looked at it from a different way. I had been a camper and counselor and rabbi at a Jewish camp. And I don't know about the Christians' camps. I think it's the same way. You, you're in a cabin, and then eventually you get older, and you become a CIT, and you become a junior counselor, and eventually you become a senior counselor. Mm-hmm. Okay. So at some point, if this kid kept, had kept going through camp, at some point this young person would now be 15 years old as a CIT with 13-year-old boys in a cabin. Right. Now this young person may view themselves as a boy. But the 10, 13-year-olds? Not so much. It's, a, it, it's an invitation for Lord of the Flies. Yeah. After, from that point, yet the temple just had folded. They, they accepted it. And I think one of the challenges, and this is why, you know, going back to what you'd originally said about our, our, our similarities and shared values. Mm-hmm is I think that we need to be strong as shared spiritual communities. Yeah. Because there is a war going on. And it's a war of secularism. And, you know, in in the Christian and Catholic tradition, you might say Satan or evil. We have different language. Mm -hmm. But it's a war against 
what is holy, the holiness that we're taught and that we live by. I, I'd like to share a story with, if I can with you that yeah, I just please. heard the other night. I have a friend and teacher named Rabbi Elijah Sholchet. Rabbi Sholchet is in his 80s. He was a witness on my wedding contract. He was my dissertation advisor. He comes from 12 generations of rabbis or something. He's one of those men who only pearls fall from his mouth. Mm. You know the type I'm talking about? I do, I do. Okay. A real elder, a real blessed. Yeah. Right. Okay. I, you know, I'm a fan of Dennis Prager, and that's how I view him. And and uh, you know, where it's just every everything that he this says, is, I'm I'm just this is listening. Well, to give you Dennis studied with him at one point. Oh, wonderful. They, okay, until Dennis got go. too big and wouldn't study with the rabbi. But <laughs> he, he studied with him, and he's he's really Rabbi Shulchan is an amazing, amazing being. And he shared the following story. Um, he doesn't speak at synagogues usually anymore. He's just he's not he doesn't do that. He actually came to our synagogue the other night and spoke. Oh, wonderful. It was beautiful. We should have been there. We did tape it. And he shared a great story that his grandfather in Lithuania had been known as a miracle worker. And that reputation had been based on one incident. And the incident was that his grandfather was in a wagon with two other men, two or three other men. And at a certain point, his grandfather said, we got to get out of here. we got to get off this wagon. This is dangerous. This is horrible. I can sense the danger we get off. And he got out. And not long thereafter, the driver of the wagon stopped and tried to kill all the passengers. Mm. And so, you know, one or two escaped and they came back and they said this great rabbi knew what was happening. And then Rabbi Shulchan explained why. He said that his grandfather, this is what his father had taught him. He did not know this man. His grandfather had seen the driver of the coach and the coach had gotten to the top of a hill and the driver could see a church and the driver spat on the church, spat towards the church and in a series of Lithuanian phrases was cursing at the priests in the church and how they're all evil and how horrible they all are and they all should die. And his grandfather understood that if this driver felt no boundaries at all because of religion, then there was nothing to stop him from doing whatever he wanted, including kill, rape, or steal. Mm -hmm. To the person who believes in God, there's a a boundary. Mm Mm-hmm. But if you have totally rejected those boundaries, if you've totally rejected that text, if you've to- it doesn't matter which of the texts. It, it doesn't matter how you're viewing it. But if you've totally become that nihilistic, there is nothing to stop you from killing, raping, stealing. Yeah. And that's what I think we're seeing a lot of right now. Uh, you know, we're, we're seeing that evidenced in, you know, our young men with in fatherless homes that are doing these Absolutely. active shooter things. Um, you know, uh, we're, we're seeing that, I believe, this unrestrained push towards these radical ideologies like what we're seeing in our schools now. Because remember, it wasn't too long ago that, and, and I've talked about this on the show a couple of times, where all they asked us for was tolerance. Right. And then once we gave them that, you know, it, it, it wasn't satisfactory. They wanted acceptance. They wanted celebration. They wanted participation. And they keep, you know, driving it more and more and more to where, you know, in our in our local school district, they, you know, played without permission. You know, this transgender, you know, promoting book that basically said that, you know, your parents just guessed upon your gender when when they had you and they they might have guessed wrong. You know, and, and it's so a plumbing sowing, issue. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, and so they're sowing these seeds in these kids. They're preying upon their their natural confusion, going through puberty and being young, and you know, being being uh, you know, entering into this wild world. Um, and 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 again, and I want to remind um, you know our audience and those knuckleheads that are you know listening to us to criticize us. My my heart is for the people who are genuinely confused and have uh, story. A, a, you know gender dysmorphia uh, body dysmorphia which is you know anorexia and all of those sort of things where they're struggling with their identity in any way my heart goes out to them and and we and we have the obligation and the privilege and I and I've been privileged to help some young people yeah and 
we have the obligation, the privilege, the blessing to help people put into a context what they feel mm -hmm. and to help people in every way. Yeah. And, but that is different than a politically driven agenda mm -hmm. that has now taken what was a very, very small, 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 minuscule to the point of almost being invisible uh, statistically to becoming. Uh, there, there's there's National reports, politics. There's reports in some schools where 40 percent of kids in in certain classrooms, you know, and they've and they've shown this, and and you can look this up, are are expressing that they are LGBTQ non-binary somewhere, you know, in that rather than you know, I mean, 40 percent is a you know wild social contagion not uh you know a few kids that just need our help and they need their parents to step in not press into the confusion no and, and even more or as i shouldn't say as much as is needed on the individual level with parents and children mm -hmm. we have a cultural need oh yeah for leaders yes to step up together um to create sacred community to yeah. have alliances to know that we are and we have each other's backs yeah there aren't a lot of politically conservative rabbis, those that are there, we should stick together yep. along with our politically conservative Christians and Catholics. And yeah. we, we need to, and, and, to create and that. And we cannot be afraid when they label us because they're going to do it anyway on everything. You know, I've been called a, you know, a bigot, a transphobe, a homophobe, a, you know, Christo-fascist, I told the guy. And they have, they have zero humor in their community. I told them I prefer theocratic fascist dictatorship. Well, now, of you, course, you heard, I stole that from Matt Walsh. But you heard, you heard Larry, what they were calling Larry Elder. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, the face of, the black face of white supremacy. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, that's, Come but on. that's, that's the only thing they have right. because none of these ideas stand up to even the barest amount of scrutiny. Their policies don't work. They can't govern. They, you know, so for them to just say, we believe in gender affirming care, you know, or they come up with these platitude, um, you know, platitudes and euphemisms that, that are, are showing how amazing they are. Look at us. We are so sweet to our people, and you're a bigot, and you don't care. No, I do care, and that's why I don't want to allow you to abuse these kids, and, and groom these want, kids. And we do want to embrace those that really do have a, 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 Amen. A, a, an issue. We, they, there Amen. are people like that, and they, you know, in, in indigenous cultures, they are so people who, who we're now calling gender fluid. Right. Right. In indigenous cultures, tribal cultures, typically those people, because they're so that's such a small percentage, are taken away from the tribe to be trained to be the holy man and shaman of the tribe. Mm, interesting, because the balance. The, the, so it's looked at as a gift from God mm. that you are in a male body, and yet you feel like a female. You're in a female body, but you feel like a male, and it's really it allows you to have a different balance in that spiritual world. So they actually, and it's treated as a blessing. Hmm, interesting, because it's so I've rare. I've heard that. It's but it's but it's a it's rarity. Well, it's not, these days, forty percent of them are going to be shamans now. Uh, well, forty <laughs> percent of them already think they are. So <laughs> just kidding. Yeah. Well, they all think they're their own gods these days. Yeah. So it's it's it, you know I think I think there's two pieces. I think that parents need to become parents, and it's not easy. Yeah. Um, and the other piece is. I wrote an article for PJ Media a couple of years ago, which is where are the clergy of courage? Mm. Someone says, how come you and Rob McCoy are good friends? Okay. Um, and it's because we have the same values. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, the word courage comes from the word liqueur, meaning it's come from the heart. And if we don't insist upon our leaders stepping up for what is right, then what is wrong wins. Just that simple. And, and if we don't step up, where we are actually saying and acting, not just saying, but acting in a way that is consonant with our values, consonant with our beliefs, consonant with the shared beliefs, we lose. Yeah. And I think we need to do it. We need to do what you're doing here with this Liberty Station. We need to do what, what Rob is doing. We need to stick together. We need to 
very, very much um, support when we see some a teacher standing up and saying, you know what, I'm not pulling, I'm here to teach reading and writing and arithmetic yeah. and science. I'm not teaching this chazarai, forgive me the Yiddish word, but it, sound, it means exactly like, what it sounds like. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, we need to support those teachers. When a politician is stepping up and, and it doesn't matter yeah. if they're stepping up for these kind of values, we need to support them. They, they do not have the, the, the folks that are uh, promoting these things and are promoting cancel culture and, you know, all of that to push back on us, calling us names, you know, everything there, trying to, you know, uh, they, they've said it all at this point, right? They, they've said it all. Uh, you know, their attacks are the same over and over again. You know, they, try to intimidate the, um, you know, the little local Antifa chapter, which I think there's like four of them, and I saw them in person. And they're, they're, Maybe you and I should go visit. They're dummies, yeah. They, they, <laughs> they, um, We're big guys. We'll just go visit and say hi. I'll pray for them. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, look, I saw, I saw these people in person, right? And they and they're, they sent to my house uh, to let me know they had my address, you know, uh, like I'd be afraid. I'm a hard target. Um, but anyway, they sent to my house a little postcard that uh, is like, you know, uh, it's your social duty to fight Antifa, uh, you know, fight the fascists and uh and i kind of laugh because they're, they're you know that is all that they have is to try to intimidate us you know try to shut down your you know your businesses try to you know call your advertisers try to do that but what's happening now is there is this dividing line and people are understanding that oh no we don't want to support you know this radical ideology and we're not going to stand for it but People can't be afraid any longer because we got to this point where the, we're in desperate circumstances in our culture and our families are breaking down and all that stuff. And we got to this point because of just being fearful and not being courageous. And that's why you and Rob are, are friends because you guys, at great cost, were, you know, we're, hey, we're, we're going to stand up and we're going to do it right. I, we lost a lot of congregants, a lot of funding, a lot of, I, I, like you, I've gotten hate mail, death threats, my house was vandalized. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a great teaching. Faith and fear cannot exist in the same place at the same time. Yeah. The more of one, the less of the other. That's just a reality. The opposite of fear is not courage. The opposite of fear is faith. Yeah. And we need to inspire faith. That's what I think is, you know, Amen. as parents and as leaders, as media, as clergy, and we got to do this. Yes. Because the stakes are so, so Hi, look at the last two and a half years. Just look at it. All these decisions based on faith, and Fauci just says the other day, well, maybe the vaccines don't work so well, right? Yeah. Whatever anyone's choice is, God bless them for their choice, and I respect and empower their choice, okay? I, I totally respect that. I, I think you know, Allison and I, my wife and I, we took the first shots, mm -hmm. okay? So that people around me would be comfortable. We, took right, the, we got right. vaccinated. It's up to anyone's choice. But how dare someone say, the government say that someone has to be vaccinated yeah. or has to be masked or you have to close your doors. So Rob and I were supposed to close our doors while the bicycle and pot shops were open. Yeah, of course. So. Well, so in the, in the, last few minutes that we have together um how, how do people support you and um you know our, right. our audience is awesome and you know so the way to how support, can they follow you and support you so okay so thank you for asking best way to support me or any of this is um to try and live each day as a more holy and right and righteous life that's amen. number one amen okay okay in whatever way and to attach yourself to a spiritual community um Rabbi Hillel, 2,000 years ago, says, do not separate yourself from the community. Our synagogue's temple near Simcha in Westlake Village. Uh, we do our high holidays, the Canyon Club, so everyone has a home for that. I, we I, do not charge for tickets. Yeah, You've I will be them. there in October. Um, yeah, late September, October, the late this year. Um, we have a website, nersimcha.org. Um, that's N-E-R-S-I-M-C-H-A. The ch is actually not a letter, but it's N-E-R-S-I-M-C-H-A dot org. Our calendar is on there. We have armed security, as you know, at every event. Mm -hmm. So if anyone's listening and thinking not so good things, a bad idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And just so you're clear, I'm not a 5'5", five, 100-pound five, Jew, okay? Uh, <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm a bumper crop rabbi. But we have yeah. armed security things. Yes. And, um, uh, but 
they can come to events, they can come to classes, they can come to services, um, they can go online and to nersimcha, N-E-R-S-I-M-C-H-A dot org, and they can go in and uh, uh, donate if they really wanted to. Um, but the most important thing, and they can reach out to me through that as well for any questions, comments, or speaking, or whatever they need. Um, we're on Facebook. They can follow us on Facebook. And I think the most important thing, though, is to choose faith over fear in every moment because we all can get scared. Yeah, yeah. It's easy. And it is. the rest of the world is running itself on fear, like these vaccines and mandates and all this, all that we've, all that we've experienced. And those of us who are making a choice to live in faith need to be together. Yeah. And we welcome you to join us in whatever form to find the community, to find the group, to find the leader that you choose to say, you know what, I'm part of that faith-based world in whatever level. And that does not mean you've got to be going to temple three times a day or going to church every Sunday, and it might. But to accept God into your heart, to live a righteous way, if you're Christian, to accept Jesus into your heart as your Savior, um, to do those kind of things, but to, to, to tie ourselves together as faith-based human beings and communities. I think that's the best way to help yeah. our synagogue. If they want to go make a donation, they can feel free. But, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, amen, amen. You know. Well, listen, I, I enjoy you so much. Oh, and, so uh, you. you know, from the moment I met you, I felt like we were knit together. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, I want to continue to support you in any way I can. And thank you for spending this time with me. I mean, it's such a joy for me to no, have No, thank you. It's fun. Yeah. This is fun. And you guys, anyone who watches, they should be keep supporting. You need to share this show with your friends. That's right. So that That's they right. support it. Because can I give another Torah teaching and then a prayer? Is that okay? Yeah, let's do okay. it. Okay. So there's great Torah teaching. Okay. There's a Torah portion. Where Moses sends these 12 spies into Israel. Mm -hmm. Okay, and they come back, and Joshua and Caleb say, We're gonna do fine. And the other 10 go, No, no, they're giants. It's so horrible there. Now remember, this is the generation that saw the splitting of the Sea of Reeds and the 10 plagues and all that. Okay, <laughs> but these 10 are saying, No, no, we can't do it. And Joshua and Caleb say, Yes, we can. And as a result, the people have to wander for 40 years until the generation that grew up in the slavery of Egypt is gone, but rather a generation that grew up with faith in God, okay? From that, we learn something. In Judaism, you need to have 10 people in what's called a minion to do certain services. God's, God speaks in the creation of the universe 10 times. In Jewish mysticism, we have 10 spherot, 10 different energy centers. There are obviously Ten Commandments. Ten people committed to anything in the world can change anything in the world. Amen. I do believe that. You give me ten people who are really fully committed to anything, they can achieve it. I'm pretty sure Jesus only had 12 disciples, right? Yeah. I mean, he was... He was going 20% extra, just as bonus. <laughs> right. Right? So I think that when we remember that, that 10 people committed can make a change, I think that's an important teaching. That is an awesome teaching. I think it's a really important. Yeah. It doesn't require. So if each person watching right now makes a commitment and they go and they share what's going on in this show, they share what's going on in Salem, they share whatever's going on with just a couple of friends. Yeah. You change the world. I, I say this to wedding couples. You're changing people you don't know because someone's going to come to your wedding. The next on Monday, they're going to go to their office. They're going to be having water cooler talk with a friend who's going to say, what did you do this weekend? You're going to say, you, the, the, your, the, your, the guest at your wedding is going to say, I went to a wedding. So your guest's friend now knows and decides he's going to propose to his girlfriend of six years. And that keeps going on. We affect people we do not know and we'll never see. Yep. And we need very deeply to be willing to spread that gospel, to mm -hmm. use a different kind of term, yeah. to spread that good news of, you know what, you're not alone. There are other people of faith. There are other people who are committed to the same values, the same ways, and, and, and the same purposes. I think that's an important way to support all of it. Amen. Whether it's, you know, in whatever form. And uh, 
And the only other thing I, that I, I would say about it is Osei Shalom ben Ramav, who Ya'asei Shalom, and may the one who ordains peace in the universe bring peace upon us and upon you and your beautiful family, upon the people who work here at Liberty Station, people who've worked at God Speak with our friend Rob, the people who work at Salem, upon your families, upon your community, upon this nation, upon Israel, and please God, in our time, for our children's sake, peace in all the world. And together we say amen, and uh, amen. that it'll happen in our time. Oh, man. So thank you so much for allowing me to be here. Thank you, brother. Well, that's it for this episode of Liberty Station. And thank you for joining me, Bryce Eddy, and Rabbi Michael Barkley. Um, that was a super epic uh, podcast episode. I, um, you know, sp- I need you to spread this one around. Pretty phenomenal. All right. Thank you, and uh, have a good day.